Internet Brand Strategist, Sandra Beck, interviews top business coaches, speakers, authors, and thought leaders to bring you the best business tips, tricks, and techniques to give your idea the best possible chance for success. From writing your first novel, to telecommuting from home, to taking your small business to infinity and beyond. Now here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here today with my good friend Rosie McKinney and she is going to talk to us. You know, we, we're doing a lot of shows about addiction, different addiction, you know, vaping addiction, video game addiction, and today we're talking about a different type of addiction and I'm going to let Rosie introduce the topic because she's probably got a much better way of explaining it than I do. So Rosie, go ahead and take the floor. Hi, Sandra. It's lovely to be here with you today. Um, today, we're going to talk about pornography addiction, um, predominantly from the position of the person who is living with someone who is addicted to pornography. But a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about today is also very relevant. If you are struggling yourself, there are a rapidly growing number of women who are struggling. And also, um, if your kids are struggling. So um, no matter where you are, I can pretty much guarantee that there's somebody in your life who is struggling. I have never yet met a person who doesn't have a story of someone who has struggled with this or has impacted their relationship in some way. Absolutely. And I knew you would have like the perfect, you know, opening for it. That's why I'm glad that you brought it up because, you know, I have two sons and that, you know, does come up. I've got teenage sons. So that conversation has come up, you know, on more than one occasion, but I also have an ex-husband that, that, that was a big part of the problem in our marriage. Um, that and his, you know, infidelity, you know, piled on top of it, kind of put the, you know, nail in the coffin on that one. Um, but it's really hard topic to talk about, especially women to women, because for me, I don't know about for you, it made me feel less than. Oh, absolutely. And this is the, I think this is the biggest hurdle. And this is why I do what I do. And this is why I'm you know, sharing my story as far and wide as possible is to tell people that you're not alone. I mean, looking at the statistics alone, uh, you know, this is a huge problem. And yet somehow because of the lack of basic understanding about what pornography addiction is, what it does to your brain, what it does to relationships, we somehow feel that as partners, we are responsible. Like somehow it's our fault, like that it's a failing and it's just not true. And, it, and that um, misconception, that lie, that misbelief keeps us silent. It keeps us inactive, passive, and it, it prevents us from doing the very one thing that will actually make a massive difference. So that's why, you know, I'm so grateful that you're bringing up this topic just so we can smash a few of those lies out of the park and uh, give people hope and direction for what actually will help if this is your situation. Well, and I think it's a lot more common than you know, most people think, or I thought, I figured I was the only one, we were the only, you know, couple with this problem. And, you know, I think it's also this perception that, oh, if you have a couple girly magazines, or every, every guy watches that everybody this, and I'm like, going like, when somebody prefers these things to you, how can it not make you feel ugly, unattractive, 
unworthy, uh, that there's something drastically wrong with you, that someone would prefer a, you know, print in a picture or, you know, some ridiculously acted thing on, you know, a, a video. You know, Rosie, many years ago, I worked with Lou Paget, and she's written a bunch of best-selling books. And when she was first doing her first book, I was her neighbor. We were, we were roommates, not roommates, but apartment, you know, flatmates. And, um, she was doing this research on oral sex and she got all this porn from all over the world and we were watching it and laughing and crying <laughs> and giggling going, do they even look at her face? Like, has, is she even anything other than like a vessel, yeah. you know, kind of thing. And, you know, that was a real eye opener for me. Cause I wasn't exposed to a lot of this stuff. And I think, Many women go into their marriage not having much sexual instruction at all, if any, and they're incumbent upon their partner to teach them. So, and then the men are learning from what they see on the internet, which is almost laughable, but not. Oh, it's it's even more than laughable it's highly highly destructive and you know this is where a whole generation are getting their sex education from and this is not sex this is violent misogynistic degrading humiliated abuse of our most vulnerable exploited people and you know we need to educate people that this is not healthy sexuality um because the ramifications are far beyond those people you're watching on the screen. This is um, what is, you know, we are grooming an entire generation to accept and expect this behavior. And it's extremely toxic. It's extremely toxic to the individuals involved, those watching it and those who are um, close to those. Uh, you know, the, the link between uh, pornography and prostitution and trafficking, they are inextricably linked. Um, so, you know, the fact that this is just normalized and laughed about in popular culture and on, you know, our comedy shows, I think is really insidiously damaging. I really do. And, and, and if you stand up against it, people say, oh, well, you're a prude, you know, you're anti-sex. And it's like, no, I'm actually really pro-sex. I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm against all this violent misogynistic rubbish that's, you know, poisoning everybody. Well, and it's, you know, I'm anti what it's teaching our young women is a way of being treated. And, you know, as we talk about, you know, the, the kind of a healthy sexuality and what that looks like, I'd like to take a moment as we talk to Rosie McKinney to thank our sponsor. Our sponsor today is Talkspace and Talkspace is so great. And it is the greatest place to go for therapy because it's first of all it's a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy you don't have to wait for an appointment you can send unlimited messages to your therapist 24 7 they'll engage with you five days a week and you know rosie trying to balance work home relationships and everything else is challenging for everybody and on top of our everyday obligations, we have to deal with this underlying fear and uncertainty from the pandemic. And a lot of our normal support systems aren't in place anymore. And we can't do the things that we used to do to kind of 
have a place to talk through your worries, to prioritize what's really important, you know, because we're juggling, you know, especially as working parents now more than ever, it's good idea to seek a little help from our busy demanding lives. And Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform that has thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and so much more. And as we talk today about healthy sexuality, if you or your partner are struggling for a pornography addiction, this is a great way to get help, not only for you know, the person who's struggling with the addiction, but for the people who love them. And that's something your therapist can help you set and achieve. So Talkspace has thousands of licensed therapists with years of experience in over 40 specialties, including depression, anxiety, substance abuse, trauma, anger management, relationship issues, food and eating, and so much more. And Talkspace is private. It's secure. It uses the latest end-to-end bank grade encryption technology to store client information and a complies with the latest HIPAA regulations. So now as a listener of today's podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. So if you are struggling on any of these fronts, or you need help helping someone you love who is struggling, go ahead and get matched with a licensed therapist today. Go to Talkspace.com. Make sure you use the code COACHTALK and get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's COACHTALK and Talkspace.com. Talkspace is spelled T-A-L-K-S-P-A-C-E, Talkspace.com. Use that promo code COACHTALK to get $100 off your first month. Now, Rosie, one of the things that I'm learning as we talk about all addiction, including pornography addiction, is that it is a family problem. It is not just this isolated thing that, you know, your partner or you might be struggling with. It affects your partner. It affects your children. It affects your relationships with coworkers. I don't think people realize how insidious an addiction is with the people, friends, family, coworkers around them, even though we giggle a lot with, you know, porn addiction, like you pointed out on the TV show, it's a joke. It's funny, but for the families that are struggling, it's not funny. It's not funny at all. And I love that you've brought that up because so often I feel like all the focus goes on the addict. They're the ones that get into recovery. They're the ones that all the focus goes on. Not understanding quite how devastated and traumatized the the partner or the wife or or husband um, is, depending on who's addicted. So um, perhaps we should, if you don't mind, we get into what pornography does to somebody. And then from that, you can really start to understand what it's like living with somebody because um, there may be people listening who they don't know that their partner is addicted to pornography. They might have an inkling that they sometimes use it. But but if we just talk through what what, what what it does to the person, might actually put some light bulbs on and start connecting those dots. Sure. Um, and, and that can be really quite empowering because you're like, oh, is that the problem? You know, and that, and then, and then if you establish that, that is the problem, you can then c- get the correct path to help. So what does pornography do? I would say pornography makes you dissatisfied. It makes you desperate, depressed, detached, deceptive, and dumb. And that's, that's quite a sweeping statement. So I'm going to go into those and explain what I mean. So um, they have proven that it makes you dissatisfied. 
They did surveys where they showed a small amount of pornography. They did one hour a week for six weeks to this control group. I think the other group, uh, sorry, so one group and the control group were watching, I don't know, nature documentaries, I'm not sure. Anyway, the, at the beginning of the study, they asked them questions about how they viewed their partner and they asked the same questions six weeks later when they watched this one hour of mild porn for six weeks. And at the end of it, those uh, user group who were watching the pornography rated their partners across the board lower on, in terms of their attractiveness and their sexual performance. So if, you know, if you're there imagining that your um, husband is, or, or partner is getting progressively dissatisfied with you, it's not in your head. It's probably reality. I just want to validate that. And it's not you. You haven't changed. It's that his, his brain is being conditioned to be aroused by what he's watching his right, brain and is rewired. Being... and let's be honest yeah. you know rosie absolutely you and me like we're cute girls like we're adorable totally you know, totally cute girls but you and i can't compete <laughs> against photoshopping against lighting against filters that make you know skin look perfect all of these things that you know pornography is this fantasy and you know how am i supposed to compete with some photoshopped beautiful nipped tucked spray tanned makeup jewelried well his field yeah and, and stage I'm, managed, coerced, right? Whole thing acting, yeah. and I'm supposed to yeah. somehow put down the baby, put down the dishes, and all the laundry I just folded, and waltz into this music, well lit fantasy. Like who who could do that? Well, here's the here's the thing, Sandra. Even the partners of porn stars. Um, are preferred pornography over their actual partners. So, and here's the, the, the big, huge misunderstanding. You're not being uh, rejected in, term, uh, in, in preference of the, you know, the, the people that they're watching. You are not competing with them. What you are competing with is a chemical experience. Mm. This is a process addiction. So it's not actually the sex that um, they are craving. It is the chemicals that are released in their brain once they're doing this. And when I say process addiction, it's just like gambling. So if you were married to a gambling addict, you wouldn't try and cure them by giving them a suitcase full of cash. Right. You'd, you'd know that that's quite ridiculous. You know, that's not, they're just going to go and use it. You know, that, that's not going to fulfill them. They're not going to stop gambling. They're going to just then gamble with it. It's the thrill, it's the ritual, it's those, you know, those dopamines and all the other neurotransmitters that are being released in their heads that, that just give them that incredible high that they're addicted to. And that's what happens with pornography. So it's not apples and apples. You're not actually competing with a woman. If you could look like that and do that and everything else, it would make no difference because it's the thrill, it's the high, it's the fantasy. And also, um, Internet pornography is particularly addictive and particularly dangerous because the high is not finite, like it would be with a real person. You know, when you're actually having sex, you become satiated and, you know, you can eventually leave the bedroom, just like with food, you can become satiated and you can leave the, the dining room. But with internet pornography, because it's this, this just this chemical high that's going, the way that you keep the chemicals coming is that you um, you click on something new. It's called the Coolidge effect. 
and you you so you you click on another partner and another partner and another scenario and when that's no longer doing it for you just like any other drug that you know you need to up the ante wow. you need to increase your dosage so you click on something shocking something taboo something darker and that will keep the dopamine coming and coming um and what one woman can compete with you know a, an infinite you know world of internet pornography it's just not possible so yeah and what are the other things I said depressed well, I, like I just want to jump in and just just validate because you know I'm having these big aha moments over here I looked and competed against these women on the screen mm-hmm. and what I'm learning from you is that it's not me competing against the screen I'm competing against a chemical reaction in my partner's brain yep that that is uh that he can as far as the internet can take him he can always get a bigger hit a bigger hit so the tolerance that you would get with with you know playboys the the static magazines eventually you know this is why it wasn't as addictive before the internet but now you know you can always up the ante you can always increase the dosage which is why um, people who are, you know, younger, who are having their first experience with pornography are in far worse shape in terms of addiction than those um, people who actually had real sexual experiences as their first experience. So you could have a guy in his 60s um, who's, you know, been with 300 prostitutes and, you know, highly onto pornography. It would be easier for him to get um, off porn potentially than your 22 year old virgin who's just been addicted to pornography since it's been 11. Wow. And that is shocking, isn't it? I mean, it is. yeah. Yeah. And that's what people need to realize when, um, <laughs> you know, I've heard on mommy shows and things. I, I actually heard this the other day, Sandra, where they were talking about pornography and protecting children. And, and one, one lady said, well, you've just got to show them the right places to find pornography. Like you've just got to find ethical, well-sourced porn. And like, that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, You know, this is really, really toxic stuff. This is not about being approved or any of those other things. It's really, really damaging to your brain. And there's a wonderful, wonderful documentary from um, an organization called Fight the New Drug. And it's a three-part mini-series documentary. And I'm going to give them a plug because in an hour and a half, there's three little sections, brain, heart, world. It tells you everything that you need to know about what pornography does to your brain, what it does to relationships and what it does to society. So if you've got teens or a partner or even yourself, just go and check it out and you'll know everything, you know, baseline of information in an hour and a half. Um, And it's a very hopeful um, documentary. It's not scary. It's called Brain Heart World by Fight the New Drug. And I really do just recommend that so everyone can sort of get just get up to speed with what this stuff is doing. Well, that's, you know, one of the things that I'm finding, you know, as we kind of have addiction week, you know, in my radio network, you know, we're talking about all these different types of addictions and everything comes down to the same thing, whether it's gambling, whether it's nicotine, whether it's bath salts or all these different things that people are doing, it's the next high. Yeah. And so it really doesn't, it doesn't matter what the quote unquote drug of choice is. It's. Yeah you know, yes, some are toxic, some are going to kill you, you know, some are just going to kill your relationships, your family and your friendships, you know, there's, there's, you know, degrees here, but the whole point is, 
anyone who has been in a relationship with any sort of addict knows that they can't compete with that drug. Like whether the drug is gambling, whether the drug is alcohol, whether the drug is pornography, whether the drug is, is, you know, sex or promiscuous sex or, you know, any number of these things, even shopping, you know, you know, think people who have these big addictions, you can't compete with that and neither can your children. No. And that's a, that's a great point because what I didn't understand before I was thrown down this rabbit hole was that it's not just affecting them while they're doing it. It's affecting them the rest of their life as well, because it actually pornography, heavy porn use actually makes you depressed because the brain is not designed to be in this sort of heightened state of arousal with these, you know, hundreds of chemicals surging through it all the time. It's just not designed. So what it does is the body fights back and it applies this brake like protein which basically numbs everything. But it's not just numbing the, you know, the effectiveness of the pornography, it's numbing the effectiveness of anything to give you pleasure. So your kids are no longer really giving you pleasure, your, your partner's certainly not, but your hobbies aren't, your, your, you know, your work isn't, everything is just miserable. Your baseline of happiness is now lowered so that you actually need a hit of your drug to feel normal. And this is the spiral, this horrendous spiral where you are craving a hit of your drug, which is becoming progressively less effective because you're building up tolerance. So you need to go deeper and darker more often for longer um, to feel normal. And this is how people end up way over their heads doing all sorts of, you know, dangerous, illegal, horrible stuff. They never started out like this. It's not that they want to imitate it. It's the fact that they are now addicted to to needing this high to feel normal. And this is what I really want to get to partners, not to freak you out, but to just sort of say, um, you are the thinking uh, part of this relationship now. Your brain is still working. Their brain has been addled. It has been hijacked by pornography. And in marriage, two become one. And you need to throw them a lifesaver. You need to say, you know, I love you and our marriage too much to let you drown in this. So we're, you know, we're going to get help. And if you're not willing or able to get help, I'm going to get help because mm-hmm. somebody needs to start this journey. Right. And and you owe it to yourself. You owe it to your children because if it was any experience like I had, the preference for the addiction overrode the desire to be around the kids, to go to the kids' events, to do the things with the kids that you had kids for in the first place. And, you know, that's no different what I'm hearing, whether it's, it's drugs or alcohol or, you know, any sort of addiction like this. It's just not spoken about. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like everybody, when I, when I say, oh, you know, well, I, I was with a guy and, you know, he, he was, you know, he finally got an AA. People go, oh, yeah, okay. You know, and if I said, oh, well, you know, he was a gambler. Oh, okay. You know, we have all this public consciousness about mm-hmm. this. Or, you know, if he was a drug addict or a sex addict, those things. But nobody really talks about the porn addiction. You know, it's a subset of sex addict. But I think the perception, you know, when I asked around about, you know, my friends about for today's show, they're like, eh, it's really no big deal because he's not bringing home an STD. He's not getting the girl pregnant. He's not really cheating on you. And 
you know, I have a really different view on that, but I want to hear what you have to say to the naysayers who said to me, it's no big deal. Well, uh, I, I believe, and from my experience, you know, my own personal experience and working with, you know, hundreds of women and my husband's now a certified sexual addiction therapist. So he does this for a living and, and his experience as well is pornography does make you dissatisfied with your partner. It makes you desperate for your drug. It makes you depressed with your life. It makes you detached from your family. It makes you deceptive to your partner and it makes you dumb. It makes you make dumb decisions. There's a condition called hypofrontality which is what you get when you have a head-on collision basically your prefrontal cortex where you make your rational logical decisions is no longer functioning properly you are making dumb decisions so if you want to be married to someone who is exhibiting all those characteristics and say it doesn't make a difference to your life then you know (laughs) I don't know what to say to you Above and beyond all that, it's going to be affecting your sex life. It just is. I have never met anybody who said, yeah, I know he does it and I I don't like the idea of it. However, everything is absolutely fine. There's no problems there. So, I mean, I've talked already about all the sort of, you know, what happens to his behavior and how it affects you. But let's talk about what happens in the bedroom because I I think, you know, people want to know. So as you might expect, a lot of people who are addicted to pornography, they become hypersexual. They want to imitate what they've seen and they might become quite pressuring and coercive to their partners, you know, trying all sorts of manipulation tactics and, you know, emotional guilting you into feeling inadequate and, and, you know, upping your game to fulfill this, you know, fantasy when really they're not after a, a real experience. So it's never going to satisfy. They're always going to be dissatisfied because it's not a real person they want. They want this isolated voyeuristic chemical experience. But the other thing, so you've got those who become hypersexual, but I would say like 50% of addicts actually become sexually avoidant. Mm -hmm. They actually avoid their partners for years. And you imagine being that person, that wife who has, you know, hasn't been touched for, you know, 10, 20 years. How is it, how is that going to feel? And how are you not going to take that personally when really they have just conditioned their brains to be aroused by pornography instead of a real person? And this is becoming a really big problem with the younger generation. We've now got huge numbers of erectile dysfunction with under 25s, which they never had before. Sure. You know, this is a really, really big problem that people don't really I mean, they might get, they might under, they might get on some sort of gut level, but it's not really articulated and spoken about. Well, know, it's because, not shown, you know, like we've no. seen, we've seen, you know, shows with alcoholics. We've seen shows with gambling addiction. We've seen shows with, you know, chronic cheaters, but I don't think there's any television shows or media out there mainstream or movies that that deal with this subject maybe rosie you'll be the first one to write the next screenplay you know to show us what this is like and i think the reason a lot of this exists is because we as women take the problem on as our own Mm -hmm. we just look and go i'm not attractive anymore i had a baby so he's not attracted to me all these things we take it in and it's shameful And it's debilitating and it's private and it's embarrassing and it's humiliating. You know, no one's going to sit down and say, hey, Rosie, let's go out and meet for a drink. Oh, by the way, you know, my husband whacks off to porn all the time and we haven't had sex in six years. Nobody's going to say that. No, 
No, Ever. they don't. They, and they don't. And, and the thing is, I, you know, this is my story. And, you know, I've gone public about this and written a book about it and all this. And I was talking to my friend the other day and I said, isn't it amazing that, that of all the people, I don't seem to have any friends who have this problem. I mean, I've got a few, like, but like, statistically, it doesn't make any sense. Like, what, three out of 50 people that I know well, have actually come forward? Divorced? Wait till they get divorced. Well, that's the thing. Out. And that's what I said. Somebody came up to me in the library and I hadn't seen them for years. And they said, oh, I said, how are you? And she said, well, actually, I've got divorced and it was our problem. And I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me 10 years ago? You know, could have helped you then. Um, but you're absolutely right. We, we're not talking about this. And, and I hadn't really made the connection that there aren't the shows about it and there do need to be, there really do just to sort of normalize it. And I really wish, um, that you could see the profile pictures of the women in my support group, um, because they are gorgeous. They, and I'm not just saying that they literally are, I mean, you know, cause I, I, um, what's the word? I, I let people into the group. I'm the person, I'm the gatekeeper on our support group. And so I see their profile picture and, and sometimes my jaw just drops and I'm like, what is wrong with these guys? Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to just buzz in here and say, when I went through my domestic violence program, there was a big, big portion of it that was dedicated to pornography issues. And I remember sitting in this room, Rosie, not to be like obnoxious or anything, but I turned around and I'm like, okay, Every girl in here or woman, you know, because it, it's a, it was mm-hmm. a woman's program is really good looking. Like nobody was majorly overweight. No one had some weird deformity. I mean, these were all really like if I was if I, if I was of that persuasion, I would have laid every single one in the room like they were all that pretty. <laughs> And I'm like, and then I looked in the mirror because there was like this reflection. It wasn't a mirror. It was just a reflection of those, you know, like in California, it's so bright out. They put those, that coating on the wall, yeah, you know, yeah. on, the, on the window. So I could see the reflection. And I'm like, I was one of them. And I'm like, wait a minute. So all of these women who are it's Southern California, we're all in pretty good shape. You know, everybody's fairly fit, fairly healthy. We were all young, you know, nobody had what I could see as some huge visual impairment as to why their husband wouldn't want to sleep with them. Yeah, absolutely. And And I think a lot of us, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of us kept working and working and working on our appearance, thinking that that was the problem. Like I know for me, I thought my appearance was the problem. I thought my weight was the problem. Then I thought my success level was the problem. Then I thought, well, I need to be more feminine. I mean, I literally went on the internet to learn how to be more feminine because maybe I'm Mm -hmm. too masculine. Maybe I'm too smart. Maybe I'm too this. I mean, everything under the sun I tried to fix Rosie, but you know what, until I went to this program, I didn't know what the real problem was. Yeah. And that, you know, that heartbreaking story is so common and it's so traumatizing and humiliating to put yourself that, you know, through that for years and years and years. I mean, this is really setting a couple up for failure. Yeah. failure it really is yeah you know I know it's 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 a story that has to be told yeah I mean and I just uh because you know that we've told we've said what doesn't work but what does work boundaries 
you know, it's, it's very simple, but it's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to draw that firm line in the sand. And what has been happening up to this point is that women have been going, you know, exactly what you've been talking about for years, trying to bend this way and bend that way and make themselves this and make themselves that until they get to this desperate point of going enough. I can't do this anymore. Right. And, and sometimes they just get divorced and sometimes they crash into recovery and it's very messy and very painful and very expensive. Um, but I'm saying, and, and I believe that early and early intervention, mm-hmm. putting those boundaries in place early is possible. And I know this for two reasons. Firstly, because I've done it, not because, um, I was particularly educated. I knew what I was doing, not because I had high self-esteem, but because I'd been in a previous relationship and I'd learned everything the hard way. And it wasn't even because I was like, oh, I know boundaries work. It's like, I'm not doing this again. You can have pornography or you can have me, but you can't have both. And the other reason I know that it works is that after my book came out about a year ago, it was a bit of an experiment because I'm like, I think early intervention works. My husband thinks it works. Let's put it out there. And now we have the testimonies of women who have taken that brave step and confronting their husbands, you know, in a calm, um, empowered, confident way and said, look, honey, I think this is the problem. This is, you know, the, the cause of our, you know, intimacy issues. This is, you know, I believe this is can we look at this? Can we work on this? I'm not going to have this as part of my marriage anymore. And so they've got into recovery and things have changed. Things are so much better. So I'm saying you don't need to work, wait until you get to that crisis point to actually draw that line in the sand and say, you know, we are not having pornography as part of our story, as part of our family. It stops now. And, and for the, you know, I wish I could uh, guarantee that if you say that to your partner, they're going to turn around and go, oh, really glad you said that, darling. I've been waiting for you to say that. I just, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm really relieved you've brought it up. I'm ready. I'm ready to get help. No, you're probably going to get some pushback. Well, that's, it. that's what I was going to say is like when I confronted my ex-husband about his relationships, about, you know, his relationships with other women, with the whole thing it was no, like, I'm not willing to give any of that up. And you're crazy. And you're, you know, the problem. And that's something that, you know, was really hard for me to get to that point, because that's a hill you have to be prepared to die on. You You can't go halfway, you can't go and say, this is a problem. It's either me and our family or you and these choices like that's the thing like before and you know by the time we have to make these stands most of us are just absolutely exhausted from trying to stand on our heads to please a a husband that we could never please because we can't compete with a drug we can't complete compete with any of this stuff and I think so many of us by the time we get to the point of going it's either me or this stuff yeah you're done like you're so tired you're so exhausted absolutely and I think it has to be an either or as part of a marriage contract yeah and and the the problem is women just see two choices neither of which are particularly attractive so we've got I stay in the marriage the porn continues 
I just wither away and this is miserable and it gets progressively worse and there's nothing I can do about it, but I'm not willing to leave. And I'll just stay until the children are grown. I'll just, you know, I'll tough it out or um, we'll get divorced and, you know, and everything that comes along with that. They, they, they don't see that there's a, there's a possible third way, which is um, there is a pathway out of this and it's worth fighting for. It's worth because you have the confidence that it can work if he's willing to do it. So, you know, you've, you've given, it's not just, it's going to be miserable staying. It's going to be miserable going. It's like, let's try for option C. Let's fight for that. Um, Because no matter what happens, whether or not he gets on board, you will get better. You will recover. You will receive the support that you need for years of being betrayed and deceived and traumatized. And your life will be better. And you will learn how to do boundaries. You will learn how to find your voice again. And you won't make the same mistake again. You know, you will see it earlier, right. you know, and your life will be so much better. But so that's the, that's one, you know, there are no bad outcomes of giving it a go and fighting for life. Well, that's the thing I was going to come in and jump in and say, you know, I was married for over 10 years. I had two children and I pulled the plug on the marriage when I woke up in the morning and I didn't need to ask anybody what they thought. I didn't need to worry that there was one stone unturned Rosie. I read every Mm -hmm. save the Mm -hmm. marriage book. I went to probably seven or eight different counselors. I went to a marriage coach. I went to all these things because I knew it was time to file. This is, I bring this up because I want the listeners to hear me when I woke up in the morning and there was nothing left for me to do. Yeah. There was no more books to read. There were no more counselors to do. There was no more journaling, no more trying, no more talking, no more everything, you know, because as I went through the process, it took me two years, you know, from the time I re- first went to file to when I actually went to file, you know, cause I was so upset the first time I had a, I was nursing a three month old. I'm bringing my other one in, in a, in a, in a, stroller, you know, to talk to this attorney. And he's like, all you women are the same. And it was really awful. But when I went the second time I went in and I'm like, I am done, Rosie. I know. And now like 12 years, 15 years later, I can look back and go, I left no stone unturned. So what you're talking about is being brave enough to turn over all the stones because by turning over the stones, you are going to have that peace of mind that you have tried everything. You are also going to learn stuff that is going to transform your life. You're going to learn, you know, intimacy skills with other people, relationships, boundaries, you know, empowerment, all, all those things that have been ground out of you. Um, So that's one case scenario. The other one is that actually there is, you know, a path that will actually help him, see what he needs to do and and he comes on board so either you're going to get better alone or you're going to get better with him either way you are going to get better and there often is a recovery lag so the wife puts that ultimatum down and uh and you know the husband is not having any of it she gets into recovery he starts seeing that she's serious something has changed suddenly she's feeling a lot more confident and empowered. And he realizes that actually she might go 
-hmm. you know, she's serious, she's changing. And he goes, I don't want to lose her. And he, and then he gets into recovery and does what it takes. So that is quite common as well. So, and you don't know till you do it. You don't know. You, you don't can't, know. you can't take a survey online. You can't, you know, we, we do all these things as women contemplating divorce, you know, trying to figure it all out. And I think job one is to you to go and work with someone, work with someone, you know, because what happened, Rosie, is I did what was funny is my ex-husband and his girlfriend were going to this therapist and I got brought in because it was a family problem, a blended family problem, whatever they quit, they went on. And I stayed with this therapist for 10 years. And, you know, when people go, wow, 10 years, like she was just milking you. She was this, I'm like, as I grew and changed, as my kids' ages changed, as I changed my career, you know, I went through a lot of changes and my mother died during this time. It was a great time for me to have all this therapeutic support. And I had somebody who was, had a vested interest in my success only. Yeah. And that's something that it's so hard when you're beaten down at the end and you're tired and you want to give up just start for yourself. Even if you don't talk to your husband until two months later, you know, just, just carve out that little safe space for yourself because that's what we need as, as wives, as mothers, we need a little safe space. Totally. And with the issue of pornography, if this is, you know, the big issue in your marriage, there's lots and lots of support available Um, there are lots of, you know, recovery groups springing up, ministries springing up. We have like a, a, like a baby step um, support group online. It's a bit like the, the ambulance, you know, you, we're like the, we pick you up when you're wounded and then point you towards all the other hospitals where you can really do some deep healing. Um, And what's wonderful in a recovery group is a, you see their beautiful faces, B, you realize you're not alone, but C, you also by hearing their stories, you start to see your own story in a completely different way. And you might, you might feel fierce for somebody else in a way you can't feel fierce for yourself, or you'll realize that they're being weak on their boundaries. And actually you're being weak on your boundaries and you didn't realize it because you couldn't see it in yourself. And, you know, you love them and you challenge them and they challenge you and they love you. And that is absolutely priceless absolutely priceless to to be able to be truly honest and vulnerable and authentic with other people who get it there's nothing like it there is absolutely nothing like, and you have nothing to lose by trying one of these groups there are even free groups there is no excuse not to go and dabble there are ones where you don't even you can just go and lurk you don't even need to you know you don't need to say anything. You don't even need to say anything. You can just go and hang out with them. I mean, you can, we've got a podcast where it's like a panel show. So it's a bit like The View, but we just talk about pornography. You can just listen to us and get a flavor of what recovery sounds like. And hopefully you, I've got, I've got a friend who, this isn't her issue, but she said, well, you sound like fun. I wish you were all my friends. And that's what I wanted to get across. Like, this is a, 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 a a real fountain, a real well of refreshment and healing and support. And, and it's, and it's there and it's available. Go and seek it. You know, if you do nothing else, you know, 
educate yourself, you know, read some books on recovery. If you go on our website, I've got a whole long list of everybody else's book that's, you know, I think it's a good one to start educating yourself with. Go and investigate some support. You don't need to do the big scary step of confronting your husband right now. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that right now. You know, nothing's going to change in the next week, month, six months. You know, get yourself educated, get yourself feeling secure, supported, confident, empowered, all those things, and then start putting your boundaries in place. When you know that you've got six people, you can ring up and say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And they're going, we're right behind you. Ring us afterwards. You know, that is going to make all the difference. And no matter what he says, you've still got your path. And hopefully, you know, God willing, he'll, you know, realize what he's doing or or not even realize what he's doing. They don't realize that for a long time until the pawns drain out of the head. He will not want to lose you. He will not want to lose the marriage. That's what, you know, you are the leverage. Some people accuse my husband of leveraging wives to get them into recovery. And he's like, absolutely. I will take whatever you care about and leverage it to save you. Well, and if you don't, like I'm living proof of if it doesn't work. Yeah you get to be happy. You get to be at peace. You get a chance to have a relationship with someone who prefers you to a computer screen. Like there is no downside of starting to walk that journey. I think a lot of times we feel as women, we don't want to poke this hornet's nest because Mm -hmm. it may blow up. You know, it may, and it may, I'm living proof. It may, it may blow up in your face. You may lose your house, lose your marriage, you know, have, you know, years in court with, you know, fighting over your children, trying to do whatever you can have the absolute worst and then have your mother die in the middle of it. So I'm here to go. Okay. And it it sucked. Don't get me wrong. It was terrible. I leaned on my faith, but there is a light because you have to make change. You're worth it. Your kids are worth it. And divorce doesn't solve these problems. It just trains one set of problems for another. But the difference is if your spouse won't work with you and they adamantly refuse and you've given them more than one occasion over and over and over for me, it was months and they won't budge. Then you pull the plug because it's going to be no worse. (laughs) I'm telling you, I was there. It's going to be no worse. It's going to be different, but eventually it will be better. Yeah. Yeah. You can find peace and joy again, because staying in a progressively worsening marriage is not going to give you peace and joy. No. And it's abusive. I can tell you this from, from being on the other side of it now. When somebody chooses to ignore you, to reject you, yeah, maybe I'm not getting a black eye. Maybe I'm not, you know, thrown across the room, but your emotional, the emotional damage that you carry forward from this type of influence in your relationship is very akin to all different kinds of abuse, whether you want to call it emotional abuse, intellectual abuse, energetic abuse, you name it. But the You're, fact is the results are the same. You are absolutely right, Sandra. And they did a study of wives of porn addicts and they had the same PTSD symptoms as yeah. veterans. The same, you know, the same trauma responses, the same physical manifestations. You know, it, this is really, really uh, abusive and toxic. 
And so for those people who say pornography is just a joke, you know, it's just a laugh. It's nothing, you know, just get over yourself. It's like, you're not getting it. You are not getting this. Right. You're not getting it. And it's not worth even having a conversation. You know, I had people who told me, you know, you should just stay in your marriage. It's for the betterment of the kids. And it's like, how is it for the betterment of the kids? If I'm literally have zero self-esteem, zero confidence, zero anything, how is that good for anyone? It doesn't make me selfish to preserve me. It just means I won't be a victim any longer. Um, Rosie, I need to take us to the end of the show. What's the website that you'd like people to go to? Um, our website is fightforloveministries.org. <clears throat> Sorry, I got a frog there. <laughs> fightforloveministries.org. Love that. So you guys fight for your love. Check out fightforloveministries.org. Rosie McKinney, I want to thank you for being so brave and for being so open because this is a topic that is really difficult for a lot of people, including myself. And for those of you out there, please take one step forward, educate yourself. Nobody's saying blowing up your marriage tomorrow, but take that first step to healing. We'll be back again next week. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach.